Um, you know, it's our vision to see every family in our community connected relationally to God, growing spiritually in Christ, and going with a significant purpose, more so than you can ever imagine, outside of a relationship with God. And that, that video is just one of many that describe uh, best what our vision here at Canoe Creek Christian Church is. You know, we're glad that you're here tonight. Just want to encourage you, you know, if, if you don't have a church home on Sunday mornings, every Sunday at 9 o'clock and at 1030, we have a worship service here, and uh, it's a place where we're encouraged to celebrate together in the victory that Jesus Christ gives to us, that he awards to us, and so thankful to have you here and want to invite you to that opportunity as well. Over the past few months here at Canoe Creek, we've been preaching about various people in the Old Testament and the New Testament, all the way from Moses to Martha, and we've been talking about their caricatures, uh, their sinful problems that you would think would wreck them and completely derail their life. But it's amazing, story after story, we see how sin doesn't wreck them. God actually moves in these messed up people consistently, one after the other, showing his power, because God changes people. That's all there is to it. And he demonstrates that power over and over again. And the Bible demonstrates just how real and how relevant that it is and the fact that it gives us the worst stories about some of the best people. God doesn't sugarcoat it. He tells us to it just like it is. But he also gives us a demonstration of realism of how to find him, how to pursue him, and how to find a life where he can move in us, we can have victory through him, regardless of what it is that we've done, regardless of where it is that we've been. And all of these caricatures that we've looked at have been leading to tonight. They've all been preparing us for tonight as we look at the caricature or the character of Jesus Christ, a man who is perfect in every way, a man who is and was sinless in every way. And because of that, because of his perfection, because of the life that he lived that has no sin in it whatsoever. He achieved a victory that none of us can achieve. He accomplished something that's significant. He's the reason God moves in messed up people. He's the reason why there's some of the worst stories yet about some of the best people because God moved in them and he changed them because God changes people. God allows his victories to become our victories. You know, there's this certain feeling that we get when we are in the midst of a victory, when we've accomplished something, when we've overcome. It's one of those feelings that you're trying to describe to somebody, and it normally ends with, well, you just had to be there. But, but you know what that, what that feeling ultimately is or what victory does feel like. But, but with Jesus, he teaches us what real victory is. He helps us to get a sense of feeling for what that real victory is. That's the kind of life that we live with him. And we begin to experience that powerful and amazing victory that he has for us. If Jesus defines what real victory is, he shows us what it is, he defines what it is, he helps us to get a sense of feeling for it. Sometimes we celebrate things that just probably shouldn't be celebrated. Over-celebration, right? You know what I'm talking about. When, when somebody does something, it's like you can't even classify it as a victory, and yet... They celebrate way too much. Here's a great illustration of that. Let's take a look at the video. Some of you caught the scoreboard, didn't you? That was the first point that he had won. He was losing 0 to 10. And I mean, that's an over-celebration. Um, I don't know if that's a celebration video or a bad dance fail video, 
But somebody needs to let that guy know that he's playing ping pong in a really cruddy gym. 30 people are watching, and it's on standard definition video. I mean, you know, it's just you got all the reasons not to celebrate. And sometimes we over-celebrate things. I'll never forget the year um, where the football team I was coaching, the boys, were, we were having a rough year that year. And uh, they had a hard time finding the end zone if you know what I mean. And I'll never forget this game, like right, right out the gate, first quarter, they score a touchdown right away. They celebrated like we just won the Super Bowl. And the bad thing was, is it was early in the first quarter, and I know what that means, is they're spending all their energy, and sure enough, we tanked and lost the game. But I gathered them together after they got done celebrating, and I tried to calm them down. I encouraged them, said, hey, great job. Now, next time we score, let's act like it it's not the, the end of the world, and let's act like it wasn't our first time. Let's act like we've been there before. You know, sometimes we put things in a position of celebration that maybe just shouldn't be there. It's, it's a victory for us, or it's really exhilarating for us, because maybe it's that we don't have the greatest sense of victory because we're not a part of the greatest victory of all time. And so we celebrate things that are far less meaningful, so to speak. You know, an, an example of something to celebrate, you, you know, we can only imagine how uh, the patriots of old felt after the battle of Yorktown. And this is a significant battle. I mean, matter of fact, all of us are sitting here because of it. And all of us have freedom and independence because of it. And it was something that was greatly celebrated. We can only begin to imagine what they must have felt like when they had won that victory. But even still, while it's great and it has impact on an entire nation, it's still not as significant as the victory that Jesus Christ himself had won and overcome because of his sinless life, because of his perfect life, and this victory that he graciously extends to each and every one of us. Think about this. The patriots won a victory that would allow physical freedom where they lived. Jesus has won a victory that allows for spiritual freedom that has no time and it has no space. It is endless and boundless. The patriots won a victory that would be for many who would come after them, like those of us sitting here tonight. Jesus Christ won a victory that was for every living soul from the beginning of time until the end of time. The victory that Jesus won is without compare. It certainly is. And yet... He graciously gives this victory to each and every one of us if we desire to be in relationship with him. Uh, the New York Times covered a story from January of this year, and I'll say that it's frustrating, to say the least. A federal court in California has ruled that someone could wear service medals that they did not earn in the act of battle uh, because it was their free right to free speech. And I tell you, that probably makes us feel different ways. And when it comes to physical battles, the physical battles of this world, I would say that those who wear medals are those who should have earned those medals. But when it comes to the spiritual battle, the spiritual battle over sin, the spiritual battle over death, and the victory that Jesus Christ has won, I am eternally grateful that even though I was not able to win that battle for myself, that Jesus Christ gives me the honor to wear that badge of victory with him.
It is a significant victory. It is a gracious invitation of Jesus to allow us to celebrate with him in it as he has won it for us. Let me be extremely clear about what the Bible is extremely clear about. We cannot achieve victory over sin. We can only trust and rely on Jesus Christ and a relationship with him because he has achieved that victory and he graciously extends that victory to us. He shares it with us. And it is not some over-celebrated ping-pong victory. If anything is under-celebrated, it's uh, underappreciated. Many of us try to earn our salvation on our own. We try to do good things. We try to live good ways. Uh, We try to basically say that we can accomplish this or we take God's gift for granted in various ways, but the Bible is extremely clear that the victory over sin is Jesus Christ's victory that he extends to us graciously. You know, there are victories in this world that are rightfully celebrated like Yorktown, but even still the greatest and far-reaching implications of Christ's victory make it untouchable in comparison. Let me just share with you two scriptures from the same book to keep it simple tonight. It's from 1 John chapter 3. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared, that's Jesus, so that he may take away our sins. And in him is no sin. What we could not achieve, Jesus Christ did achieve, and he graciously extends it to us. Now, even more importantly, John goes on in this letter in chapter 5 to say, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. John writes this letter with this perspective that the world is against us, and he writes it Rightfully so, because the world is against us. He writes it from the perspective that Satan is after us, and he is. And he writes it from this perspective to where it may lend us to believe, or we may think even today that Satan is mounting his final battle against us, against God's people, against the world. But essentially, he already mounted his final battle, and he lost it because Jesus Christ is victorious. He's the one who defeated sin and death. He defeated Satan. He defeated evil and hatred on Calvary. That's defined for us in the Scriptures. And it's a powerful, decisive victory that Jesus Christ has achieved. And this verse in John says that we share in this victory with Jesus through faith. And faith is not blind. It's not. There are some parts and pieces that just aren't quite filled in yet because it is believing in what's unseen. It's trusting in the promises that God makes to us. It's believing that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Therefore, he speaks with authority. Therefore, I will listen to him. And if he has that power to do that for his son, And he's promised he will do it for me. It's faith to trust and believe. And this passage says that this victory is made a part of our life through this faith that we have 
to trust in Jesus Christ, to listen and be obedient to Jesus Christ. Now, I want to share the gospel with you in a very simple, a very clear way. And you may have heard the gospel before, but my guess is the majority of us in this room have never had a friend, a coworker, a loved one, or whatever it may be, at work, at home, just simply and clearly, in a matter of a couple minutes, share the gospel with us. And this is something I think the church has got to get better at doing. Of course, you expect to hear it when you go to church. But it's something we need to be hearing in our community over and over again. That's how people will relationally connect with God, spiritually grow with Christ, go with great purpose. And let me just simply use three circles on the screen to share this gospel message with you. You see, we live in a world that is extremely broken. And you know this. Even if things have gone pretty well for you up to this point, you've experienced brokenness at some point, at some time, in some way. Let me tell you what. The people in Syria know what brokenness is. Uh, The people in Syria, especially in the town of Aleppo, they don't need to understand or try to contemplate what brokenness is. You know, a friend of mine just texted me today and said, hey, listen, you know, we're trying to collect things for the people in the fire in Kissimmee at the hotel. Those people right now know what brokenness is. This world is broken. It's the reason why I lost and I miss my father. It's because this world is extremely broken. But that wasn't God's design. God's design was for us to experience peace. It was for us to experience joy. He made everything good. He made everything perfect in its way. And there's one simple reason why brokenness has entered into this world, and that reason is sin. Sin was not God's design. It was not God's choice. Sin was our choice, which means sin is our mess, which means brokenness of this world is our mess. It's our struggle. And you know what? We'll try all kinds of things to escape this brokenness. And some of them are good. We'll try to just, just, you know, self-improve. Maybe get a better education, make better decisions. And that stuff, all of it is good. Sometimes we'll do things that are negative to try and escape the brokenness. We'll, we'll medicate through chemical or relational dependencies. But no matter what it is, good decisions, bad decisions to try and escape this brokenness, they're like, they're like having a bungee attached to your leg. And no matter how hard you try to push away, the further you get away, actually, the more it's going to pull you back over time. And sometimes we can even cause ourselves to believe, I've escaped the brokenness all on my own. But that's not the reality. See, the reality is there's a third circle, and in this circle we find Jesus. God sent him to this earth to teach us how to live. He sent him to this earth to be uh, crucified, dead, buried, and resurrect in victory so that all of us could experience and share in that victory with him as well. And we can't get out of the brokenness on our own, but God provided a doorway, and the scriptures are clear that that doorway is Jesus Christ. He is the way to the Father. He is the way to victory. And when we choose to accept Christ, when we choose to walk through that door, what we are saying is, I will repent, and I will be baptized. This is following the simplest, the first commands that Jesus calls for us to follow. 
Repent simply means to turn our heart to God, to recognize that He's Lord and Savior, and that He is in charge, and be baptized because just as Christ was dead and buried, we are dead in our sins is what the Scripture teaches. We're buried with Christ in baptism, and we're raised to walk in a new life. And in this relationship with Christ, we are able to recover and to pursue the direction, the plan, the design that God has for us. And when we recover and when we pursue, we're reunited with God in such a way that we can live out God's design, even in a world that is extremely broken. And we become a beacon of light to other people. Our attitudes, our action, our heart, our desires, our words lead people to the same doorway that help lead us out of brokenness so that we can help lead others out of brokenness as well. Now, I've got a simple question. And this is what I want to ask you personally, face-to-face, one-on-one. Where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself in the circle of brokenness? Or do you see yourself in God's design? Some people will say, well, I see myself in God's design. I'll say, awesome. That means Jesus Christ is your king. And I'll ask them and encourage them, so how are you being obedient to your king? How are you growing with him relationally on a daily basis? How are you gathering together with his with those who he, he died for, with his church, with his other believers, frequently so that you can grow spiritually? How is it that you are living out his will, doing what he's called you to do daily? You see, the victory that Jesus gives us is something that works from the inside out of us. It's not as if we work it from the outside in and I just do this better, I I act that way better, and before you know it, it makes its way in. No, it's the power of God, it's the victory of Christ inside our hearts that slowly makes it to our hands in what we do, our eyes in what we see, our mouth in what we say. And before we know it, we turn around and we see that we are victorious with Jesus Christ, not just because he earned for me something I couldn't earn, but because he's changed my life radically. God changes people. And we can't take that for granted. The term Christian could be like a badge. It could be a medal, if you want to call it so to speak. Christ earned it. And he graciously extends it to us. And it's something, unfortunately, that many of us will take for granted at times. But we shouldn't, because God is in the business of changing people. And if we believe Jesus Christ is our king... We should be changed. You're wondering what's up with the green bench. I thought you would never ask. It's not just some Christmas ploy, green and red, even though it looks pretty good. December of last year, a small team of us four went to Haiti. And there we learned an interesting story. There's quite a few churches there that have green benches at the front. Just one lonely green bench. And if your family has been caught in sin, or you have been caught in sin, even if your kids have acted up, you're associated with it, the pastor will call you out, and he will make you come and sit on the green bench. You will not see a green bench at Canoe Creek. 
It is a safe place where sinners preach from the pulpit, sinners listen from the seats, but it's a place where God changes people too. So in a sense, the green bench represents sin. It represents shamefulness. It represents a separation from God and the struggle that we have in following and trusting God. God doesn't force you to do anything. He may nudge. He may apply pressure and pain in certain areas that you don't want to have it. And all the while, you may be frustrated with him, and all the while he's saying, I'm just trying to get you to realize that I'm the most essential relationship that you should pursue. But he doesn't force us. He doesn't make us do anything that we don't want to do. We have to choose. We have to decide if we want to stand up and approach and pursue God instead of our green bench. You know, if you answer the question, I see myself in brokenness, I want to make it very clear and very simple to you. The steps that you need to take in the Scriptures are obvious. It tells us to believe in the commands of Christ, to follow the commands of Christ. Jesus himself said, if you love me, you obey my commands. And the starting point for those commands are to repent and to be baptized. To unite your life with Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Through the way God has told us to be united with him. And I realize that it's Christmas Eve and some of you have plans and you're going somewhere after this. But let me just encourage you that if you answer the question in your mind, I see myself in the brokenness, but I want to see myself in God's design, don't leave here tonight. If you want to make that decision, don't let a Christmas Eve dinner or whatever it is that you've got to go to stand in your way to achieving, to acquiring, the greatest victory that has ever been achieved in the history of the world and is now extended graciously to each and every one of us. You can be baptized tonight. We have the baptistry ready. We have t-shirts available for you. You're like, well, yeah, but my car seat's going to get wet. We've got garbage bags to put on your car seat. We got it all. Because we're in a place where God changes people. We want this community to be a community that we live in where God is radically changing people because he does. If you need to make that step, if you need to make that decision to give your life to Christ, if you want to follow him in obedience tonight, we're going to sing a song here in just a minute. And I would invite you to come and see a prayer and decision counselor. There will be one over here one over here, I'll be available in the back as well and talk to you about making this decision to give your life to Jesus Christ because he has achieved the greatest victory and he lovingly and graciously wants to extend it to you. But let me just take it one step further and give one more application to those of you who may be saying, well, you know what? I have given my life to Christ. I have been baptized, but I know that I'm not being obedient to God and I'm not doing anything in my life to try and be obedient to God. I would encourage you to come and talk to a prayer and decision partner to see me in the back. We can talk to you about ways you can grow here at Canoe Creek Christian Church.
We can talk to you about how to get connected. We could talk to you about the different various things that you can accomplish in your life because you have the victory of Christ if you've united yourself with him in baptism. Would you all pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we get to celebrate this Christmas. Father, the opportunity, the reminder to be united with you in victory. Thank you, Lord, that even though we recognize we should all be sitting on a green bench, you have a love for us that pursues us. We see that. It's Christmas. You pursue us in the strangest ways. We, we definitely agree on that. To send your son as an infant here. As we explore it, we certainly do see so many reasons why you did what you did, exactly how you did it. But Father, we are just grateful that you did. We're grateful that your son, Jesus Christ, has achieved a victory that we can be a part of. Lord, help us to pursue you. Help us to take that step. Help us to reach out in obedience and trust what you have called us to do so that we can be faithful to you. And in that faith, Lord, we can receive through your son, Jesus Christ, the greatest victory that has ever been achieved. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing this song tonight, please remember that we're available for you.